for folks who are new to the Catholic Church or didn't pay much attention in what we used to call CCE, Continuing Christian Education, or if you are an adult convert to the Catholic Church and you didn't pay a lot of attention to your RCIA classes, you know, classes center around the rights of Christian initiation for adults, and then maybe it will be good to be reminded that the liturgical year is the annual cycle of seasons and feasts and festivals of our Catholic Christian Church. We're going to put the green away for a while, folks. Next Sunday, we'll be pulling out white for Christ the King. And then the next Sunday, the purple comes out for Advent. The liturgical year technically begins the first week of Advent, and it ends with what is called the Solemnity of Christ the King, this year on November the 20th of 2022, next Sunday. This Sunday, we are close to the ending of the old year and the beginning of the new year. Already, the liturgy and the lectionary texts, you know, the readings from Sunday to Sunday to Sunday, are colored with notions of endings, something we do not have to wait for until next week. Moreover, this ending and beginning, this lens through which we look, does not evaporate after the feast of Christ the King. To the contrary, images of endings and beginnings will carry over into the first Sunday of Advent. And Advent is that season of the four Sundays of purple and no, I don't wear pink. <laughs> On occasion, maybe rose-colored, but I don't wear no stinking pink. I'm sorry. So just put that in your liturgical pipe and smoke it. It is those four Sundays that lead up to the great season of Christmas. This lack of clear demarcation between the end of one liturgical year and the beginning of another is you know, kind of symbolic of our own life journey, which is continuously marked with endings and beginnings. Today's gospel reading is a scary gospel. In today's gospel, Jesus predicts the destruction of the Jewish temple in Jerusalem in 70 A.D. Now, I need to be clear. I was not there. But Mario, well, even more than was, Mario was there and he said to General Titus, the, the, the Roman general, here, hold my adult beverage. He was there. Anyway, I digress. 
Jesus uses graphic language. There will not be left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down. Beyond the demolition of that beloved sanctuary, Jesus also announces widespread unrest and turmoil. We can sometimes identify with that. He says that nations will rise against nations. We understand what that looks like. And even the created world will be racked with earthquakes and with famine. Is Jesus just a prophet of doom? Is he trying to scare his disciples into believing? Or is there some other revelation that is here? St. Luke's Gospel was written a long time after the prediction, the predicted destruction of the temple and its actual occurrence. The hands of the Romans in 70 AD. This key historical fact helps us to understand that this passage is not a prediction of what is to come, as much as a reflection on the loss and challenges, the destruction and death that punctuate the lives of every believer. Such unsettling imagery is employed for its shock value, jolting believers into reckoning with God's reign, R-E-I-G-N, God's kingship breaking forth all around us. You know, for several years now, we have been living through a pretty violent hurricane season. While we might hear news about famines or plagues in other parts of the world, since the close of the pandemic was announced by our president, um, they're not our everyday experience. Unless you're new parents looking for baby formula. The gospel image of earthquakes might be closer to home, but, you know, Major earthquakes in the continental United States are rather few. We keep them all sort of out in California, that area. You might remember, if you're as old as I am or a little older, the big one in Northridge, California in 1994. And for those in the room who might be geologists, here in Houston, we have earthquakes almost every day. There is a, um, a fault line that runs across Long Point over here in, uh, in Old Spring Branch. But the interesting thing is because our land here is called gumbo, not something you put in a pot, but mushy gumbo, the, uh, the violence of an earthquake 
is sort of absorbed like a, like a rubber sh shock absorber. We have them. We just don't feel them. But hurricanes, well, we know that that's a growing threat to major U.S. population centers. We can remember the effects of hurricanes such as Katrina in 2005, Hurricane Sandy in 2012, and Hurricane Harvey in 2017. And those effects are still being felt. And the impact of hurricanes just this last week, both Ian and Nicole, will last for decades. Because they are so powerful and can cause such destruction and loss of life, hurricanes are a focus of much scientific study. Meteorologists observe and track hurricanes from their beginning, from their genesis, from their birth to their dissipation. These folks read sea temperatures, wind velocity, and other factors in order to predict their paths. And suddenly, people in the Houston community, oh, you know, like David Paul on KHOU or Frank Billingsley on uh, KPRC or David Tillman on ABC 13, well, they kind of become parts of our household as we listen to what might be going on. A hurricane alert system was first created by William Reed, and it has been in place since 1847, saving, th <coughs> saving thousands of lives and prompting more rigorous standards for construction in hurricane zones. Every year, people are more prepared, or we hope they're more prepared. Construction is stronger than the year before. People have time to evacuate. I don't know if you're new to the Houston community. We have uh, three ways of evacuation. If you're a graduate of Texas Tech, you go out uh, 99 and then hit 290 and just start going as far northwest as you can. If you're a graduate of UT, you take 45 north and just keep going as far as you can. And if you're a graduate from A&M, you get on the 610 loop and just... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, did I say that? Yeah, we have more time to evacuate, find safety and shelter. More recently, the growing intensity and destructive power of hurricanes serves as sort of a broader warning of a period where Mother Nature isn't so very happy right now. There is climate change. We argue about where it comes from. That's a whole different political story, but we know it's true. The hurricanes have, in recent years, become much stronger. But then, 
You know, there are the hurricanes of our shared and our personal lives. While we live in a hurricane zone, we also understand the challenging and destructive winds of change that blow through our society and through our lives. Sometimes we experience calm in the hurricane season, like this last summer. You know, that calm, if you've ever been through a hurricane, like the eye of the hurricane. But you know that what? That calm is not insured. Next year may be a rough year for us because of hurricanes, but also because of changes in our own personal lives. Today's liturgy calls us to be attentive to these challenges, but it is not a summons to anxiety or fear. On the contrary, Jesus presents himself as a sign of hope. He is the calm in the eye of the storm, providing wisdom in the face of judgment, providing love in the face of hatred, providing the power of perseverance in the face of persecution, and providing protection in the face of adversity. You see, Jesus is our bedrock and hope. No matter what is ending and what is beginning in our lives, on the weather or at home, And that message that Jesus offers is something that must be cultivated and revealed in his body, the church. We are, if you will, a community of spiritual meteorologists called to assist our brothers and sisters to monitor the storms in their lives. And sometimes they come one after another, after another, providing shelter when that is necessary, pitching in to help rebuild when the inevitability of loss occurs, and acknowledging the breaking through of God's reign, God's kingdom of joy and sorrows in our sometimes turbulent existence. Our faith does not promise a life of calm in the hurricane's eye. You need to hear that again. Our faith does not promise a life of calm in the midst of the hurricane. Our faith offers every hope that in mutual care and support and through the power of Almighty God in our lives, that we can weather any storm. Amen.